the book of James puts great importance on listening carefully to what God has to say. So it would help you to do that if you could open up your Bibles again to James chapter 2, page 1216 in the sort of Bibles we've got here. Uh, It would also help the rest of us if you could turn your phone off so that we can all concentrate and uh, make sure we're we're understanding what God has to say. James chapter 2. I'd like you to imagine you're watching television one day at home and you see a man on the, on the TV and it's the guy who runs McDonald's, is the, the chief director of McDonald's and he's on television to talk about how great McDonald's is. He says McDonald's has had a bad press recently but it's really good food. It's nutritious, it's healthy, it's tasty, it's good for you. McDonald's is a nice company, we're good to the environment, we're good to people, we're good for the economy. There is no better place to take your family for food than McDonald's. And you switch off the television and think, maybe, (laughs) Uh, maybe not. But later on that day, you're out walking in the city centre and you walk past a restaurant and you see that man through a window in the restaurant and he sat around a large table with his family. They're all tucking away at food, looking very pleased with the food that they're eating. And you step back and you notice he's in Burger King. Now, what does he really think? Well, it's his actions and not his words that show what he really thinks. Or imagine a man who is married and who says to his wife that he loves her, uh, that he cherishes her, and yet you find out he's having an affair and committing adultery. Again, it's his actions and not his words that show what he really thinks. We live in a world where we're surrounded by claims, claims by community leaders, claims by advertisers, claims by our boss, by our families, by our parents, whoever it might be. And some of these claims sound very convincing. But the key to finding out if a claim is true is not to listen to what somebody says, but to watch how they live. It is our behaviour that shows really what we believe. It's not what we say, but what we do that truly reflects what we think. Uh, We don't always live what we claim, but we always believe what we live. And so in order to find out what someone really thinks, watch their lives. If you've been coming for the last few weeks, you'll know that uh, the book of James is concerned that Christians live authentic Christian lives. James' great fear is that the Christians he's writing to, that us, as we listen, that these Christians are double-minded. It's a phrase he uses a number of times. Uh, We might say two-faced. He's concerned that Christians are trying to blend following God and following the world at the same time. And it's a very dangerous thing to do, and it cannot be done. Uh, Such people, James says, are not actually true Christians. Now imagine you're in a park and there's a boating lake and uh, there are some boats that you can get into and sort of paddle around the park in this, uh, the lake in these boats and imagine you see someone who's got one foot on the bank of the lake and one foot in the boat and the boat starts to move away from the bank and you can see their legs starting to do that. Well it's not very um, a pleasant experience if, you've ever happened, if that's ever happened to you but James says that is what people are doing with God. They're trying to put one foot in Christianity and yet one foot in the world, and the two things are going in different directions. 
And James says that doing the spiritual splits is no less painful than doing the physical splits. In fact, it's far more dangerous. James is concerned that the Christians to whom he's writing, that we are two-faced. And so he's trying to show them in the way that they respond to trials, not to be double-minded, in the way they respond to temptation. Um, We've seen in the previous uh, section last week that the presence of favouritism is a symptom of being double-minded. And now James moves in for the kill in this particular passage. And his message to us tonight is not what you say, it's what you do that shows what you believe. So let me ask you this evening, what do you believe? Do you, in the words of James 2 verse 1, do you hold the faith in our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory? Are you a Christian? Well, James says the answer won't be found on your lips. The answer will be found in our lives. And it couldn't be more important because what's at stake isn't just whether we are people of integrity or whether we are hypocrites. What's at stake is our salvation. James says, what good is it, my brothers, if someone has, says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? No. What is at stake is whether or not we go to heaven, whether we are truly Christian or not. So James wants us tonight to look at our faith, to be honest with ourselves and to answer the question, is my faith genuine? And the answer will come from the way we live, not just from what we say. And so we're going to look at two things tonight. We're going to look at dead faith. uh, And that's verses 14 to 19, dead faith. And dead faith is just words. It's just claims and nothing else. And then we're going to look at what true faith, what saving faith looks like uh, from verse 20 onwards. But before we start with that, I want to introduce you um, this evening to one or two guests as we go through the talk. And tonight it's John and Jenny. And I need to make very clear that these names are made up. So if your name is John or Jenny, I'm not talking about you tonight. Uh, John and Jenny can't be with us this evening. They don't come to church. And uh, I made them up, so uh, they, don't, they don't actually exist. But I'd like, you to meet, I'd like you to meet John. John's surname is Microsoft. John spends his life filling his house and filling his driveway with the flashiest technology that there is on offer. If you go round to his home, you'll see magazines all about the latest computer upgrades, the best software, the best gadgets. He's got an amazing DVD player, an amazing handphone, all the great gadgets. John's faith is in possessions. John's God is materialism. And John's creed is the most toys wins. And John is showing his faith by what he does. Next is Jenny again. No relation to any Jennies here. Jenny's surname is Advancement. She spends her life in the office. Even most evenings, working very late, the weekends are spent catching up with projects, catching up with assignments. If you look in her house, it is just covered with work. And she's making the sacrifice now because promotions, she hopes, will come in the future. Her faith is in whatever lies at the top of the ladder. Her God is success. 
her creed is be the best and she is showing her faith by what she does well friends let's look at dead faith verses 14 to 19 of James chapter 2 again verse 14 what good is it my brothers if someone says he has faith but does not have works can that faith save him implied answer it is no good and such faith can do nothing for him it is very easy to claim you're a Christian. Uh, we all joined in the creed. I think most of us joined in the creed when we said it just uh, a minute ago. It's an easy thing to say. I believe in God. I believe in Jesus Christ. I believe in the Holy Spirit. It's very easy to fill out a form and where it says religion, just to write Christian. It's no effort at all. But James says, if all you've got is the claim... If that's all it consists of for you, then it is no good at all. It is useless and worse than useless. If our claim is just hanging out there and there's no correspondence with the way we actually live, James says the faith is non-existent. It is no good. He gives us an example of that kind of thing in the next couple of verses. Uh, it's a situation which is easy to imagine. Verse 15, James says, If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warmed and filled, without giving him the things needed for the body, what good is that? Someone's got a very loud mobile phone. I think we'll pause for the uh, ringing of the bell. And uh, whilst we do that, you can just ponder those verses for a moment. I didn't count those, don't know how many that was. It's a situation we can well imagine. Just imagine a friend of ours, maybe at Smack, uh, lost their job and very quickly the money ran out and they had no money, no job, no prospects. Well, it's no good just saying to them, you know, I hope it works out for you. It's no good just saying to them, oh, God bless, you know, take good care of yourself, hope it all works out. Now, if we really care, we will do something we will act, our concern will express itself. Without actions, our words are just empty, they're meaningless, they're cheap gestures. I remember moving into a flat uh, a few years ago and one of the things I found myself doing very often was saying to people, oh you must come round for a meal sometime. And by itself that just means, you know, I like you and I want you to like me. It doesn't mean anything until I maybe get my diary out and say, why don't you come round on this particular day? If our words aren't followed by actions, they're empty. Uh, the test is that we actually do something. And so James continues in verse 17. He says, so also with faith. Faith by itself, by which he means just claiming to be Christian, if it does not have works, is dead. Now, we said the creed earlier... Most of the city today did not say the creed. And the question is not, well, aren't we better than everybody else? The question is, are we going to live differently to the rest of KL? Because if our life is no different, then it means nothing that we claim to believe in Jesus Christ. Well, that's all very well, but somebody might say, verse 18, you have faith, but I have deeds, I have works. Somebody might say to us, well... 
Yeah, there's those sort of doctrine Christians, the ones who kind of try and read all the books and work out what's right and try and be sound. I'm not really one of them. I'm not really into this kind of doctrine thinking stuff. I'm more of a doing person. I just like to get my head down and be practical. Well, James says, show me your faith apart from your works and I will show you my faith by my works. You cannot separate the two. It is not enough just to claim. We have to actually show our claims in the way that we live. And so verse 18, uh, show me your faith apart from your works and I will show you my faith by my works. And then he gives the point teeth in verse 19. You believe that God is one, you do well. Even the demons believe and shudder. You think you're on fairly safe ground, don't you? I believe that God is one. A key part of Christian truth. James says, well, good for you. Good for you that you say that. But the devil believes that. There's good doctrine down there in hell, you know. But at least the demons shudder. You can tell that they believe in God. You can actually see it in their lives. It affects them. If all we do is say then our faith is dead. Uh, Just imagine, I was to say to you tonight, I've just found out that someone has placed a bomb under this room. Uh, Imagine I was to say that. If you believed me, you would not stay in your seat for very long. Uh, You would not be sat in your chair going, oh, bomb. Interesting. I wonder who put that there. I hope the sermon doesn't go on for too long. I wonder what's for supper tonight. I will know you believe the claim if you are out of the building as soon as possible. Uh, You will show that you believe by moving. By the way, I don't have any knowledge that there is a bomb under the building, so please uh, do stay in for the time being. We'll keep you posted. If there's any other further developments, we'll let you know. My mum says that some people are all mouth and no trousers. They just speak, they don't do. And James says if that characterises our faith, our faith is dead. It's not what we say, it's what we do that shows what we really believe. Well, the next couple of guests I want you to meet are Jack and Jess. Uh, Jack is called Jack Weekend. Uh, Jack has a job, but he's not at all interested in it. It's just enough to kind of get him through the week because what he really lives for is the weekend. Uh, That's what life is about. Time off at the weekend with friends. Friday night is in a nightclub. Uh, Saturday is lie-in, spend time in bed, watch sports on TV, spend the evening at the Mamak stall. Did I get that right? Mamak stall. I've learned a new word today. Jack lives for the weekends and he cannot wait for holidays. Jack's faith is an enjoyment. His God is pleasure. His creed is, well, he may as well die happy. And he shows his faith by what he does. And then there's Jess. Jess' relationship. Uh, She also has a job she's not bothered about. Her life is about her boyfriend. And she spends as much time with him as possible. When she's not with him, she's with her friends talking about him. She knows he's not perfect, but at least he's there. Her faith is in relationship. Her God is acceptance. Her creed is... Well, if I'm going out with someone, then I'm okay. At least I'm not on my own. 
and she is showing her faith by what she does. Dead faith. <clears throat> but our second point tonight is saving faith. If that is what fake, bogus faith looks like, what is the genuine thing? Well, James continues, verse 20. Do you want to be shown, you foolish person, that faith apart from works is useless? James doesn't mince his words. Do you really want this to be shown to you? He says. And he begins to contrast dead faith with the genuine thing. So he continues, verse 21. Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered up his son Isaac on the altar? You see that faith was active along with his works and faith was completed by his works and the scripture was fulfilled that says Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness and he was called a friend of God. You see that a person is justified by works and not by faith alone. Let me just read that last sentence to you again. Verse 24, James says, You see that a person is justified by works and not by faith alone. I don't know how you feel hearing that sentence. Uh, when I first came across it, I felt very uneasy because it seems to say something very different. In fact, it seems to say the opposite of what the Apostle Paul says. And let me give you an example. Paul in Romans chapter 3 has this to say. He says, we hold that one is justified by faith apart from works of the law. One is justified by faith apart from works of the law. Yet James says a person is justified by works and not by faith alone. And so many Christians are very concerned when they read that verse because it sounds as if there's disagreement in the Bible, that there's a big contradiction. Well, do they disagree? Uh, I think if we look more carefully at what both James and Paul are saying and doing, they don't actually disagree at all. Uh, one of the things we need to bear in mind is that they're using the same terms in quite different ways. Uh, James is using the word faith to mean something slightly different to what Paul is meaning. James is using the word works to mean something slightly different uh, to what Paul is meaning. Uh, what's Paul up to? Paul's concern is to write to people who think they can be saved by building up enough good works. The kind of person who says, well, if I do this, this, this and this, then I can get to heaven. And Paul's great concern is to say, you cannot earn your way to heaven. We are saved only by trusting in the death of Jesus Christ. We are saved by faith alone. And by faith, Paul means trusting, trusting Jesus, trusting his death on the cross for us. James, on the other hand, is writing to a different kind of person. James is writing to the person who says they're a Christian, but there is no evidence of it in their lives. And James says your claim is not enough. You can't just say you're a Christian. He says you're not saved by faith alone. And by faith, James means empty faith, just a claim. Faith for him is a shorthand for, for people who just have words and nothing else. No, James says true faith, true faith shows itself in the way that we live. And I do think that if you look at these two statements carefully, Paul and James are saying the same thing, but in very different ways. Both of them say we're not saved by, by works before we're converted. We don't kind of build up a number of good works in the bank and then we're saved. But both of them would say we're saved for works. 
we're saved by faith and that faith will express itself in good works in our lives. Faith leads to works because it changes us. Somebody once said we're saved by faith alone but saving faith is never alone. It leads to works. It is seen. I don't know if you remember in Mark chapter 2 when the the paralysed man is, is lowered down through the roof Uh, by his friends. Jesus looks at his friends and sees their faith, we're told. It says, when Jesus saw their faith, faith is something that is shown in the way that we live, something that is demonstrated in the way that we live. So James and Paul do not disagree. If you want to come back and ask questions about that afterwards, then please do. No, James is saying, true faith will demonstrate itself. And he gives us two examples Uh, from the Old Testament. He takes us, if you like, to a a museum and shows us kind of Old Testament characters in this museum of the Old Testament. And the first person is the most obvious person to look at in the Old Testament, and that's Abraham. Abraham is the great hero of the Old Testament. Everyone would know Abraham. He's described in this passage as God's friend, verse 23. He's described as well as, as our ancestor, Abraham. And the events described, the episode that James alludes to, happened back in Genesis 22. Uh, God had asked Abraham to sacrifice his son Isaac on an altar. And humanly speaking, it was a, a nonsensical thing for God to ask. God had made a whole set of promises to Abraham. Promises that hinged on Abraham's son Isaac living. Promises that through Abraham's descendants, through Isaac, God would build a great nation that that nation would become his people and that through them God would bless the whole world. It all depended on Isaac. He was the hinge on which all of God's purposes turned. And so when God says to Abraham, sacrifice Isaac, or humanly speaking, that makes no sense, but Abraham trusted God. And so Abraham followed God. He was willing to do that. So James says, verse 21, Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered up his son Isaac on the altar? You see that faith was active along with his works and faith was completed by his works. In other words, Abraham's faith proved itself when it was expressed in this particular act. He trusted God that much. And at that point, James says, verse 23, the scripture was fulfilled that says Abraham believed God. Uh, We read in Genesis that Abraham believed God long before this episode with Isaac. But it is proved by the episode with Isaac. We now can definitely see that Abraham really does believe God by what he does. Well, the second example uh, James gives us is someone very different to Abraham, and this is Rahab, Rahab the prostitute. Uh, We read about her in Joshua chapter 2 just earlier. And uh, you may remember the story. God's people are about to go into the promised land and they want to check out Jericho first before they move in and invade. So they send spies in. Uh, The spies end up in the home of Rahab and somehow the Jericho police discover that they're there. And so they come knocking on, on Rahab's door saying, where are these spies? And Rahab fobs them off and uh, manages to cover for the spies and sends off the police in the other direction and protects the spies. But more important than that is why she does it. 
Uh, we heard her words in Joshua 2. She does it because she's heard about the Lord. She's heard what he's done for his people. She knows his promises. She knows what they mean. She believes in him. And so she acts according to her belief. So verse 25, Rahab, in the same way, was justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out another way. That whole episode shows that she really does believe. It confirms that she believes. And so James's point is this, that saving faith acts. Whether we're a Jewish patriarch like Abraham or a foreign prostitute like Rahab, it's the same for all of us. So he ends by saying in verse 26, For as the body apart from the spirit is dead, so also faith apart from works is dead. A body without a spirit is, is a corpse. If you look at a, a corpse on the, on the street or wherever it might be, that is what faith that doesn't show itself in works is like. If all we have is claims... We are just spiritual corpses. We are the walking dead. It makes no difference. Dead faith is worse than useless. It cannot save us. It is just empty words. But saving faith proves itself, expresses itself, shows itself in the way that we live. We don't always live what we claim but we always believe what we live. Well, let me introduce our final two guests, and they are Hugh and Nicholas. These two men are both real. Uh, they both died in Oxford about 450 years ago. <clears throat> both of them were bishops, Hugh Latimer and Nicholas Ridley. They were both great men of God who loved Jesus Christ. They were both killed for the same reason, because of their Christian faith. At this particular time in, in England, Mary was the Queen, and she had just reinstated Roman Catholicism as the national religion, and anyone who didn't become a Catholic risked being executed. Well, Hugh Latimer and Nicholas Ridley refused to become Catholics, refused to accept the teaching of the Catholic Church, because at that time, as still today, the Catholic Church was teaching that in the bread and wine, Jesus' body and blood is physically present. They knew that matter because if that was the case, it meant that Jesus' death on the cross was not enough. That Jesus, if you like, started his sacrifice on the cross, but it had to be re-sacrificed on an altar. And so they refused to agree with that kind of teaching. It went right across the Gospel well, because they stood for the cross of Jesus Christ, they were tried. They went on trial, were found guilty, and sentenced to death to be burnt at the stake. Before they were killed, in the, in the couple of weeks leading up to their death, Latimer spent his time reading his Bible and praying. Ridley wrote letters to his friends, urging them to stand firm in the Gospel, not to give in to the teaching of Rome. And Hugh, Natimer, Nicholas Ridley were executed October 1555, just round the corner from where I work in Oxford. Ridley arrived first. Natimer took a bit longer. He was an old man by this stage, and he even joked about how slow it took it, how slow he was, uh, getting to the place where they were going to kill him. 
When he arrived, the two men embraced. Uh, They hadn't seen each other for a long time. And Ridley said to Latimer, Be of good heart, brother, for God will either assuage the fury of the flames or strengthen us to abide it. And as they were chained to the stake where they would be burnt, they embraced and prayed together. The old man Latimer said to his young friend Ridley, Be of good comfort, Master Ridley, and play the man. We shall this day light such a candle by God's grace in England as I trust shall never be put out. And the flames were lit, and the two men perished. Latimer, being very old, died very quickly. Ridley suffered excruciating pain. The flames were slow to take on his side. Mary had ordered that Protestants be burnt with green branches so that it took longer and longer to burn. And so Ridley was conscious as both his legs were burnt off. Well, their faith was in the saving death of Jesus Christ on the cross. Their God was the God of Abraham, the God of Rahab, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And their creed was the one that we said earlier. But they showed their faith by what they did. And so let me end by asking the same question I began with. What do you believe? Do you believe in the death of Jesus? Do you believe that in his death he paid the full price for all of our sins? Do you believe that Jesus is the only name by which we can be saved? the only name by which we can get to heaven? Do you believe that Jesus is going to come again one day and that those who trust in him will be gathered to him to dwell with him forever? That those who have rejected him will be sent to everlasting destruction? Do you believe that Jesus Christ is the hope for all peoples, all nations? Do you believe he's the hope for Malaysia? Do you believe that all peoples in this country need to hear the good news of his death? Whatever their religion, whatever their ethnic background, well then let James's words ring in our ears. Show me your faith. Amen.